Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back John Wallishan, U.S. real estate and lodging analyst with the UBS Chief Investment Office. John, welcome back. Good morning. Thank you for spending some time with our listeners and clients. Looking forward to the conversation. Good morning, Dan, and good morning to the listeners, and thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So, John, I know you're joining us for a discussion on the U.S. real estate sector quite timely, considering that within the latest UBS house view, the chief investment office did upgrade the U.S. real estate sector to most preferred. So as a starting point, John, can you walk our listeners through the thesis behind that? It really comes down to a couple of things. Uh, and and real estate is, is largely, the real estate sector is, is almost exclusively composed of uh, U.S. REITs. Uh, and so, look, coming off of 22, the publicly traded REIT market had a very, very challenging year. Uh, total return was down around 27%, give or take. Uh, so while that was certainly very struggling, uh, very uh, poor performance, it did put uh, the REIT sector from a valuation perspective in in much more attractive position, both on an absolute basis and relative to the market, number one. Number two, the call was also predicated on the fact that we think that the 10-year Treasury is getting closer uh, to peak levels and REITs, and we can just see the action in the REIT sector that is very, very sensitive to movements in the 10-year. And so we felt that uh, with the 10-year getting closer to the peak, uh, the REITs would uh, would react positively, you know, especially if our view is that ten-year yields uh, ultimately throughout, you know, as we get towards the end of 2023, uh, begin to come down. The last thing I would highlight is that the composition of the REIT index has changed dramatically, you know, over the last ten to fifteen years. And if you look at just the uh, the probably the top eight stocks. Uh, in in the S and P real estate index, uh, they are all, with one exception, extremely defensive. And what I mean by defensive, so your your top companies are either going to be in the wireless tower business, the data center business, uh, the public storage business, or the industrial slash warehouse business. Uh, these all have very very good fundamentals, and they tend to be very very defensive. So when we added it all up, we thought we could get a combination of some defensiveness uh, with a sector that would benefit from what we think are getting closer to peak rates. So, John, as a follow-up, what would you cite as being the risks to the thesis you laid out for us? I think, without a doubt, the biggest risk is if our, our call on rates is wrong. If uh, you know, and look, uh, we we saw Chairman Powell in front of Congress the last two days. Uh, and you know, it's it's you know it's clear that you know the Fed is going to keep pressing at the short end of the curve. Uh, we will get the employment report tomorrow, and next week we will get another inflation report. And you know, obviously the Fed and, and we take them at their word; they will be data dependent. So I think the biggest risk, number one, is if we get our interest rate call wrong, then then this call will not work. I think the other thing, and ultimately this comes down to our investors, is time horizon. Uh, you know, the market tends to be forward looking. A perfect example. Example, I would say, is the home building stocks. You know, despite many, many questions about uh, the strength in the housing market or the weakness in the housing market, the home building stocks have traded far ahead of that, and understandably so. What you know, in that you know, it's the spring selling season, their early cycle, and so it, you know, what we'd say to investors is, if if you're looking for something in the next month or two. 
this is probably not the place to be. This is certainly going to be a 12-month-plus call. Uh, but certainly, without a doubt, the biggest risk would be if we're wrong on rates, because number one, REITs will react poorly to rates in general, number one. And number two, um, although REIT balance sheets are in far better shape than they were in 2008, 2009, you know, floating rate debt still will represent, in some cases, upwards of uh, 15 to 20 percent of, of REIT debt. Plus, they do need to refinance. You know, some REITs will need to refinance, obviously, at higher rates. So I think that that's really going to be your biggest risk. Thank you, John, for the clarity there. If we switch to positioning for a few moments, looking across the sector, any themes, trends, and focus at the moment that you can highlight for us? I'd say a couple themes are out there. And, uh, you know, sometimes the market in an in its infinite wisdom, will look at certain sectors and or subsectors in the market and say, well, that sector's had a couple of great years, so it's played out. And, you know, one sector we think, even though it's had several extraordinary years, still is very, very well positioned is the industrial slash warehouse space. Uh, now, we recognize that the stocks are not inexpensive, uh, but they just, in our view, they deserve their premium valuations. Uh, we think there are multiple drivers within the industrial space. And so that, that's one theme. I think one of the other themes, and there's a narrative in the market, particularly surrounding residential rentals, particularly as it relates to multifamily, uh, that uh, multifamily is going to be in trouble because there's a lot of new capacity coming. Uh, now, we would say a couple things to that. It's, it's unarguable that if you look at the rent growth data, it is slowing. Uh, you know, the, the mathematical term is a negative second derivative for you calculus jockeys. Uh, and, and look, the rate of rent growth uh, after the initial COVID shock was unsustainable. I mean, if you look at long-term rent growth, it tends to mirror inflation plus. Uh, and I'm talking normalized inflation. And so to see rent growth, and I'm talking about both uh, new and renewal rents coming down, uh, it's still positive, but it is slowing. The other one is capacity. Now, we, and we put out a report recently entitled Multifamily Capacity, Could It Be Less Than Meets the Eye? And we do not argue that there is a lot of new multifamily capacity coming Anything that is, has already started construction, we have a high degree of confidence, will be finished. But there's a fair amount of capacity that's been permitted, but not yet started. And so when we talk to the, the large public landlords, be they, be, they, be they public REITs or very large private companies, uh, they're being very, very cautious with their capital. And so the other group out there is a group called the Merchant Builders, who in their job really is to just build and turn around and flip it. And so uh, whether it's whether they have an ability to get capital or if they can get capital, construction capital, it's extraordinarily expensive. So our view is we may not see as much capacity as we think. Now, obviously, this is ultimately a local market business. And in the report, we highlight not only the, the top markets in the country, we would break it down by submarket. And so for anybody who wants the detail, you can see which submarkets are capacity heavy and which ones maybe aren't so much. Uh, so we, those are like two very, very large themes that, that we see. I think the other theme that I would highlight is is just sort of you know data, data and wireless and the ultimate convergence. Uh, and you know one of the areas that we've been playing uh, has certainly been both in the wireless tower and data centers. This is a this is a longer term theme. Uh, so certainly we recommend it for people with a longer term horizon. But we live in a, a wireless and data centric world, and 
we don't think that's going to stop. And now with the, uh, you know, with the sort of mainstreaming of, uh, of artificial intelligence, and, and I'm sur- I certainly do have more to learn about it. I think the bottom line is the the continued demand for computing power, number one, and with the wireless companies having spent north of $150 billion on 5G licenses, we think they're going to spend the money to continue to build out that infrastructure. So those, I think, are several themes we're we're certainly highlighting. A lot there to consider and, of course, keep an eye on. Before we close out, John, anything in the way of final thoughts or takeaways or with respect to positioning, anything you would like to reinforce? A couple of things, and and I already mentioned one of them is going to be time horizon. Uh, We are still in a very uncertain market in terms of the direction of the Fed, number one, and obviously interest rates, number two. Uh, Number three, what will be, you know, will we have a recession if we do when? Hard landing, soft landing, and, you know, look... Uh, you know, our crystal ball is is somewhat cloudy, as is everybody else's. I attended a, 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 a bull bear debate dinner last night on the housing market, and it was very interesting to hear the participants around the table. You know, while there were some very strong opinions, there was also a lot of, well, it depends on this and it depends on that. And so this is one of the reasons that, you know, we always talk about, you know, diversification and time horizon. And, and so first of so I would emphasize time horizon, number one, an ability to stomach volatility, number two. And number three uh, is, you know, if, uh, you know, for those who want to be exposed to REITs and real estate, and we, we do believe that there is a place in people's portfolios for it, uh, we'd utilize days of weakness, not strength to buy them, because certainly uh, any day that there is concerns about the economy or rates moving, you you will get that ability. And the last thing I would say is, you know, our recommendations are, are really centered around what we call a barbell. So if you think of a barbell, and by the way, it's not an equal weighted barbell in our case. On one end of the barbell, we you know we have what we call the and some most people don't put growth and real estate in the same sentence, but the growthier real estate stocks, which what I would really put the infrastructure REITs, uh, be it in wireless towers or data centers, that other end of the barbell is going further out on the risk curve. Uh, and what I mean by that is, uh, there, you know, while Office certainly has its challenges, we think this. We think the narrative of no one's ever going to an office again is way overdone, but it is a much riskier sector. So we do have some waiting there. And then if you think of what's in the middle of a barbell is the bar you hold, that's the more core holdings. And that's where we look at whether it's our industrial exposure, our residential rentals, some triple net lease companies, really uh, immensely high quality companies with with you know, fair, you know, with very, very good, uh, very, very good demand outlooks, uh, very good balance sheets. So that's how we've structured it. Well, John, thank you for dropping by top of the morning today to share with our listeners, our clients, your current thinking on the U.S. REIT sector. As mentioned, there's a lot here that we'll keep track on. So do look forward to having you back for a follow-up conversation, though. Do appreciate your insights and guidance shared with us today, John. Thank you again. My pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me and happy to come back anytime. Great. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. And we have been joined today by John Wallace in Real Estate and Lodging Analyst Americas with the UBS. Chief Investment Office, I do want to highlight one of John's recent pieces, which ties right into our conversation today, that being real estate markets, could multifamily supply be less than meets the eye? That publication now available up on UBS.com slash CIO for clients of UBS. Please be sure to reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of John's note directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.